Turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and also I'm going to give you a heads up on this, because eventually we're going to go to Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is a harder one to find. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm not going to have you stand for the whole time. I was told by one of the teenagers, or I guess college students last week, you make us stand for so long. I said, we read three verses last week. She told me, I get tired during those three verses. So we're going to stand again, and we're going to read just four verses, and um, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, all right, and say one word out of verse 14. So if you could stand for us, I promise you I'll let you sit. One day I do really want you guys to stand and I'll sit, so you know what it feels like, all right? But Ephesians chapter 6, and it says this, and he's wrapping up the chapter. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. It says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is a word we use for trick or trickery. It says in verse number 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then it says in verse number 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. And what's the first word on verse number 14? Stand. You know, if you look at it real quick, while you're standing, um, in verse number 11, it says stand. In verse number 13, it says withstand and to stand. And in verse 14, it says stand. We've got to stand against something. And we're fighting a, a, a devil that's not, that, that never plays fair. Amen. And so we've got to see that. Let's pray. I, I, Lord, I thank you so much for all the blessings you've given us. I thank you for the ways in which you work in our lives. Sometimes you work so many different ways and we don't see everything that you're doing. But Lord, we're so thankful that you, you're in our, we're in your presence. And we, we thank you for all the things that you do that we might not see. We might not see until we get to heaven. We thank you for the protection that you give us, and we thank you for the, the things that you do on a daily and hourly by minute in our life. Lord, may we truly be thankful for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about a, um, our enemy that you have, and it's a misnomer of what he is. He's not the devil. If he were to walk in here today... He would not walk in with a red outfit, horns, and pitchfork. Amen. He never had that. Amen. Wouldn't have a tail with a little hook on the end. In fact, if he were to walk into this room in, in, in physical sight, you'd all, you would be in awe of what he looks like. Amen. And you've got to realize with that who he is and where he came, comes from. But um, someone, and I'll get right into the message in a second. Someone asked me um, this morning about the bishops. And I want to kind of give you a heads up of what, we, what we're doing with the bishops. Um, Daniel and Kelly has visited a couple times. They're actually, they've sold their house. Let me give you an update on them. And um, they sold it within an hour once it went on the market. And it's an area in South Carolina that everybody wants to move to. Sold it above the value that they offered. And so praise the Lord for that. And people asked me this morning, one person asked me, well, what will they be doing? I wrote a list out, and I kind of want you to hear this out. Um, they will be working with the teens. They're not taking Josh and Megan's spot, okay? Josh and Megan are holding what they're doing. They're going to work, Josh and Megan are going to work with the senior high and the college students like they are now. But we're going to switch, and they're going to work with the junior high. We have a few junior hires coming up, and they'll be working with them. Not take, they're not taking anybody's positions. 
They'll also work, he'll also work with the IT, the Facebook and the internet. You gotta realize in the day that we live in right now, that's how people look at your church. How many of you have been on vacation? And you look for a church, what's the first thing you do? Do you drive down the road, look for a sign? You know, that's not what you do. You get on your smartphone and you look for a church and that's, that's what we've gotta realize, what we've gotta do and he'll be working on that. He'll also be working with Tamara, he'll help her in certain areas um, with the children's ministry. And um, he'll also work with me in church and organization. And he'll also work with the music department. He's not taking anybody's position. He does play the piano. He can direct music, but that's not why he's coming. He'll, he also plays the organ. He'll help us with the organ. He can sing in the choir. He can sing specials. I asked a couple people today. We're getting all the special music back together. And um, I asked one particular person, do you sing solos? No, I'm a blender. I'm a blender. Okay, I know what that means because my wife's a blender. Okay, and so, and that's not a a kitchen utensil. That's someone that likes to sing with other people. Okay, so you that are not in the choir. So that's what he's going to be doing and help us with that. And so just keep him in your prayers. He comes with six years experience. He's not a novice. The deacons have vetted him more than they, they vetted him just as much as they vetted me. And so they, they are fully aware of what he's done. They've done background checks on him. Everything seems to be in order. So just pray for him as, as he gets his life in order. When he comes here, we need to be a blessing to them. All right. So it's something that they asked me when I first got here. Could we get a youth pastor or get an assistant pastor? I said, let's just wait a little bit. We've waited six months and now it's time for him to come here and he, he will help us in a tremendous way. He comes from a preacher's home, so he knows what it is to be in ministry. So you'll enjoy him. He's got a funny personality. He's also got a situation where God taught him a lot with his hand, where he burned his hand really bad. And now he's working on it. He showed me the other day that he can make a fist now, which I don't think the doctor told him that he would ever be able to make a fist. And Regina, if you were to think about that, what would you do if one of, something happened to your hands? It would be devastating for a piano player. And so he's worked on it and worked on it, and the Lord's been good with him, and I think you'll really enjoy him. One of the things that was said, and I'm just hitting this, well, is Pastor Wagner hiring someone that he knows? Well, why wouldn't I? Just think about that statement. No, I'm just going to drive down the road, pick somebody, and say, hey, you want to work at our church? I, no, that's not how it was. Do, how much do I know them? Here's how much I know them. Kelly went to our church for three years when she was in Ambassador Baptist College. She played on our rival basketball team. Um, I still have experiences from that school when I think of them. I like the school, Calvary Baptist School in King, North Carolina. I knew her from then, and then he would visit when he, when he liked Kelly. He would come and visit us, and I, I knew him from there. I know her a little bit more than I do him but I know a lot about him. I've done some research on him and he'll be a good fit here. He's a country boy from Virginia or West Virginia, one of those two. Um, they kind of go together there, but I think he's from Virginia. His dad is in Fairfax area and been a pastor up there. And if you know anything about a pastor that's been in Fairfax area, how many of you have been to Fairfax? Very expensive to live there because it's right outside of Washington, D.C. And he's been out there. And I just want to give you a heads up on that so you kind of understand when he comes and stuff, he's looking at it, trying to find a place to stay. I've talked with Pete a little bit about some areas that the police department, we don't want him to go live someplace where the police go all the time. All right. So um, that's why I've asked him with that. So let's just get right back in the message. And I want you to see this. We fight a war and we have an enemy. And that enemy never fights fair. Can you imagine going to a a sporting event and the the other opponent, uh, opponent, would never play fair. Can you imagine going and playing them a second time, a third time? Well, Satan never plays fair. And in this portion of Scripture, it's talking about the whole armor of God. You have to put on the whole armor of God. This is just a 
precursor of why you need the whole armor of God. Everybody knows where the whole armor of God is. If you continue in verse number 14, it goes all the way to verse number 18. And if you find out and you study this, I've seen a preacher do this where he brings out these pieces that he's trying to talk about and it covers everything. It's a defense mechanism. It's something that you've got to put on your body and put it in your soul, in your life to defend yourself against the devil. Because if he doesn't fight fair, he's going to do everything he can to take you out. And I, I'm frankly sick and tired of seeing people take out. I've seen too many people lose their testimony, lose, lose what they're at, say, oh, I'm going to give up on God, and because they never understood what they were fighting against. As a coach, I would go into teams, and you've heard me tell a couple stories, but I would go in and I'd watch the other team, and most people don't think warm-ups mean anything. As a coach, they mean everything. You're sitting there and you're watching, okay, let's say you're going to go watch a baseball game or a softball game and you, you see the first baseman, every time they hit a the ball to him, they can't ever catch it, it goes between their legs. You know what you're going to tell the team? Hit the ball to the first baseman. Amen. And then they start messing up and they start messing up. If you watch the NBA Finals, when Shaquille O'Neal was playing in the NBA Finals, what would they do? Call hack-a-shack. Couldn't, couldn't hit the broad side of a barn on a free throw. So they would just intentionally foul him. And you got up there, and most people, you don't get nervous when you watch them. I was getting nervous when I'd watch him shoot a free throw because he just couldn't do it. And you could think, all these things are going through his head. Well, we've got to understand our opponent. And our opponent never fights fair. And you've got to realize where he came from. And here, it's talking about this. Look at verse number 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. My battle is not with you. Your battle is not with me. It's not with other people. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. What are we wrestling against? Principalities and powers. What's this talking about? Demonic activity. Now you can't be, as a Christian, you can't be possessed by them, but you can be oppressed by them. Have you ever made this statement, the devil made me do it? You ever thought that statement? You ever said something and said, where did that come from? You know what? The devil can plant things in your mind. That's why I've, I've said this before from this pulpit. When you have a sin problems, sin problem, and maybe it's a mental problem that you're thinking about, you're thinking about the wrong things, don't say it out loud. When you pray, pray inside. God can still hear it. Satan can't read your mind. But God can. We've got to understand our opponent that we have. And here it says we're not wrestling against each other. Paul was not against other Christians. I know a lot of Baptist preachers that get up and they, they crush every other denomination. They crush every, every other person that's a preacher that's, that, that's not maybe doing the same thing they're doing. They're not my, they're not my opponent. Amen. They're not. Amen. You know, people say, well, what do you believe about this or that? And, and there's some denominations that go way off. You know, the closest one to a Baptist is the Assembly of God. They believe in salvation. And there's other, 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 other different denominations that I agree with some of the things. I don't agree with everything. Not one time in the Bible was there sprinkling of a baby. That's not what baptism is. But on the other side of it, salvation is not by works. We've got to, we've got to look at this and see what the Bible says. And people say, well, why are you a Baptist? Because that's what I believe. I believe the Bible is what it is, and I look at it in a Baptist form. And so we're, we're fighting an enemy. And that enemy wants to destroy you. And if we truly understood everything about him, we'd be scared to death. But then if you truly understood who's on your side, it equals everything out. 
And so let's look at these and let's see where Satan's beginnings were. Satan began, his beginnings was righteous and a holy one. You realize that? When Satan began, he was not what he was, what he is now. He began as an angel, a very close angel to God. And there's three things you've got to look at, and I'll define them a little bit more. Though once the most beautiful and powerful angel in, the, in, in all of heaven, he turned against his own creator. And he took many of the angels with him, more than half of them. Now, I, I look at this, when I, when I talk to teenagers all the time, when I, was, when I was first got in ministry, I said, now listen, if he can talk an angel that has seen heaven out of heaven, do you not think he can mess with your life? Amen. That's why you have to have that whole armor. And so he, he's done that. The second thing, the second point we'll get to is Satan's righteousness, righteous state changed drastically. Something happened and it changed drastically. And the Bible tells you what it is. And the third one is Satan has never admitted defeat and still believes that he'll, find, he'll win the victory. That's why he fights so much. Can you imagine what he thought of when Christ was put on the cross and put in the tomb? He thought he won. He, carried, he covered every angle and it's found in the Bible. What did he do? He had people go and say, hey, put guards in front of that thing, put a stone in front of it. He's, he's going to, someone's going to go take his body. And what happens? The stones rolled away and no one did it. He walked out on his own. Amen. And at that point, I think Satan realized, hey, this is, what did Satan try to do when he was in the wilderness? Tried to tempt him. Amen. He tried to tempt the Creator. And on a side note of this, it's interesting that he tried to, create, he tried to tempt the one that created him. He also, you've got to realize, he has never created anything himself. And that's what we've got to have a blessing for in our life. So let's break these three things down. I want you to see this. Satan was created by Jesus Christ. Look in, first, look in Colossians 1. Flip over a couple of... Um, well, just one book and a couple of pages in your Bible. And go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. And here's what it says about him. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now watch this next verse. For by him were, what's the next word? All. Now is Satan one of those all? Absolutely. It says, by, all, by him all, all things created. And that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Doesn't that sound like the verse we just read? Amen. And then it says, all things were created by him and for him. See, Satan, although he doesn't understand this, he has a purpose. God is using a purpose through him. And then verse number 17, and he is, a, and he is before all things and by him all things consist. So that just tells you right there that Jesus Christ himself created Satan. You say, did he know what he was going to do? Yeah, he knew what he was going to do. And it's a battle that we fight every day. But it's also a battle that shows who our Savior is. And that's what we've got to realize with this. Satan was characterized by beauty, wisdom, and brightness. Let's go back to Ezekiel. Now, we're going to read all this. I want you to get it. There's a lot of things in this. And just follow along with me. We're going to start in verse number 12. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse number 12. 
says, Son of man, take up lamentations upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. Now this is, this is, this is defining what he looked like. The sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the barrel, and the onyx. Uh, onyx. It says, And the jasper and the sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. See, he was an organ, basically. He could make music. What does Satan use more than anything? Music. You know, we were watching a, a show the other day, and, and Alice Cooper's picture came up. And he's just a satanic man. You can just see it in him. And, and you know that if anything that, that God does, Satan will try to duplicate it in a bad way. Amen. Give you an example of this, a rainbow. You know, when, when you look at the new generation, you say, tell me what a rainbow means. You know what they're going to tell you? Amen. That means homosexuality. Amen. That's not where it started. Amen. And it, isn't it interesting that the rainbow was a scientific, it's a scientific effect. It's a prism that does it. Amen. And what is a rainbow? The rainbow is a covenant to us that God will not destroy the whole earth by, by rain again, by a flood. And so they have taken something that's a beautiful thing, a covenant between God and man, and made it a covenant between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. And so we're at a point where we've got to realize what, what Satan is doing. He always counterfeits everything. And so here he's, he's a music, they, they announce that. Now go to verse number 14. We're going to go all the way to verse number 19. It says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till, what's the next word? Iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, for the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up. Now here you go. Now you can almost see the pride in Satan as he does this. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of... of of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic, therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Look at verse number 19. All they that know thee among thy people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. That's what's going to happen to Satan. It's interesting, I've heard preachers get up and say, you know, Satan doesn't scare me, he scares me to death. I know, I know what he is, but I also know that God has the power over him. I've had preachers say, well, I wouldn't be scared. I remember Brother Tebow is Joy's pastor, and I was his youth pastor for six years, and he told me a story. He said one time a lady called him over to his house and said, I have a problem with my child. He said, well, she said, well, he said, well, what is it? He said, you need to come over here and see this. And he had been messing with some weird stuff, and Brother Tebow walked in the room, and this child was levitating above the ground with a very deep voice. And I, I love Brother Tebow's reaction. He said, he looked at me, he goes, you know, I hear preachers say all the time that they would love to be in that situation. He said, the last place I wanted to be was in that room with that little child. Amen. He said, number one, I didn't want to be beat up by a little child. 
I didn't want to hear his voice that was deeper than mine because he started talking to him. It was the last place he'd ever want to be. I, I don't like dealing with things like this, but they're out there. And there's, sometimes we take it for granted that it's never going to affect us, but Satan knows what he's doing. He's a very powerful being. I had another girl in our youth group out in California. She, she, was, she said there was always weird things going on in their house. She babysat a, a boy, and she said, there's always weird things going, doing, going in this people's house. And she said, I didn't like being there. She said, Pastor Wagner, what should I do? I said, then don't go there. Have him come to your house. And she brought me a picture, and I would never have believed it. I have it in my office, actually at my house now. But I, I saw the picture, and in the picture, there's this boy, and he's standing in front of this mirror, and the mirror comes to a point, and he's holding a dog, and if you look in the mirror, there is a satanic being in that mirror. I'm telling you, we are dealing with a real satanic issue. We're dealing with some problems that if we don't have this in our life, it's going to destroy us. Now, I'm trying to make you realize that Satan, he is a real being. He's not just this fictitious little red guy that, sh that sits on your shoulder every so often and tells you what to do and what not to do. He's got a plan. Satan and his creator had a relationship that was, the righteous, was righteous and true, and Satan was perfect in all his ways. If you read what we just read in verse number 15, it says he was perfect. So now we have, he was one of the most beautiful and powerful angels. But the second thing is, Satan's righteous state changed drastically. Well, Satan allowed iniquity to take root in his thoughts. We, taught, we, we read that. He became enamored with his own beauty, wisdom, and power. And we see people all the time like that. I've been, around, I've been around young people that can't, they can't look. That, every time they see a mirror, they've got to look at it. Amen. Wow, look at me. You ever been around someone that's prideful about the way they look? Amen. Ray is that way. Ray looks at every mirror he sees. Amen? <laughs> I mean, hey. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to sit up in front anymore. Um, man, we've got to realize that he thought that he was somebody. Amen. Isn't this a good example to us? when we think we can handle it ourselves. That's why you need to put on the whole armor of God. Greek mythology, there's a man by the name of Achilles. Remember what his problem was? He could do anything. But if he got shot in the Achilles tendon, he would die. And in Greek mythology, that's what happened to him. And we even use that Achilles tendon, in, in, and doctors use that. If you have an Achilles problem, you know it. It really hurts. And here, if you don't put the whole armor of God... And it goes from the top of your head to your feet. To protect yourself, Satan will fire that dart wherever he needs to fire it. And it might be an unexpected area. It might be a place where you go, oh, wow, I thought I had a stronghold there. Satan knows what he's doing. And it always scares me when I talk about Satan because I know that he sometimes will attack. And, and the other thing I want you to understand, he deceived himself into thinking that he could be like the Most High God and overthrow the kingdom of the Almighty. Let me read some verses to you. And Isaiah says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken thine, the nations? For thou hast said, In thine heart I will, I will descend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above his, the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. This is what he said. And then it says this in the last verse, and I like this. It says, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. 
We serve a risen Savior and he's more powerful. He was the creator of Satan, but Satan thought that he was going to take over. And isn't that what we do in our life? God gives us all these abilities and say, wow, look at me. I can do this. I can do that. I, can, I've just, I am just a blessing to everybody around me. You ever thought that? No, no, no one would say I've ever thought that, but some of you might, might think that. Well, I can do this. I can do that. I can sing, I can, I can play the piano, I, I can do whatever, any, whatever God wants me to do. Watch it, because pride vaunteth up. And what happens right before pride? What happens right after pride? A fall. And that's exactly what Satan did. And I think, if you were to truly think this out, I think Satan thought he had won when he took more than half the angels with him. I think this is a war that he thought, hey, if I can get more than half of them, I've got this one. He didn't realize that the Creator was much stronger than he could ever imagine. And there's nothing that Satan can do that God doesn't allow. God has to allow him to do it. And we see it in what story? Story of Job. He had to go and ask. And he did everything he could. And what happened? Job came out on the other side better. So Satan's righteous state had changed drastically. A holy, a holy war was fought between and fought, and Satan, along with his legions, were cast out. And watch this: Satan has never admitted defeat. He's never admitted defeat. He's going to go fighting and kicking all the way through the end. His full intention is to destroy the kingdom of God and his rule over all creation. That's who we're going against. That's why we need the whole armor of God. I think it's very interesting that Paul equates a lot of things to what? Fighting. Did he not say one time he was a good soldier? I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He always talked about these things. His full intention is to destroy the kingdom of God and his rule over all creation. It is interesting to note that Satan never created anything. Maybe pride, but he, cre- he never created anything. At this present time, he rules the power of the darkness. In Colossians, Paul writes, he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his um, dear son. Now, this is what you've got to realize. I just want you to hear me out on this and we're almost done. You've got to realize that Satan is an enemy and is not to be taken lightly. How many of you ever played on a sporting event you thought you had won really easy? So you really just went out there and played half-heartedly and you got beat. I remember um, I was at college and the the high school team there was playing a team and I thought, I'm going to go watch them play because I heard what the name of the team was. And Ann probably knows what this is. So I thought, I'm going to go see them play because this seems interesting. Trinity Christian Academy was playing a team and I think it was from Flagler and it was called the, the Deaf and Blind School. Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, how can blind people play basketball? I forgot about, it was not the blind people that were playing basketball, it was the deaf school that was playing basketball. And so I went there to watch them. And they were incredible. And and you got to watch them when you play, because there's rules that change a little bit. Because when they blow the whistle, they can't hear it. So when they played, they put all these lights up. I was like, what are all these lights up around here? And so when they'd play, when they'd blow the whistle, there was a guy that would hit a button, all the lights would go on. And they would stop play. 
But my mind, I couldn't wrap it up. I thought there was gonna, I was going to go out there and, and I thought maybe that they would be doing warm-ups and a dog would be running by them because it's like a seeing-eye dog. Or maybe they'd have a cane running down the court. That's not what happened. And I'm not making light of blind people, but here we have, the, the, these guys were incredible. They just could not hear. They were dunking the ball all different directions. And we were, we were holding up signs. We got in trouble the next day because they said, you need to cheer for Trinity when you go to a game. We were cheering for the other team. And they were, they were an incredible basketball team. You know, you hear something, you think, okay, this is going to be a funny game to watch. And it wasn't a funny game. It was probably one of the best high school games I'd seen that whole year. Sometimes we take our opponent lightly. And we get in there and we say, okay, I can beat them if I do this or do that. But you've got to realize a few things with this. You must realize in the most serious manner that victory is not found within yourself. I want you to write some verses down. And when you study Satan, you truly understand one verse especially. You go right to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. As a Christian, victory is available to you, but you've got to get the right perspective. See, you can't, you can't defeat Satan yourself. And let's look at this as, as, as this. When Satan was tempting Christ, what did Christ turn it on him with? He did, scriptures. He did not say, I'm the creator, I created you, back off, get away from me. What he did is he quoted scriptures back to him. That's why Scripture should be so important to you. Well, I don't read my Bible. I, I know most of the verses. I read verses every day that mean something new to me. And I'm telling you, I read a verse the other day. I was like, I never even thought about that before. And here, he, he is fighting and he's fighting and he's fighting. Look at that verse. It says, what's the verse? Four, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It tells me, number one, I'm weak. I've got to use him for strength. And number two, I'm not the one that does this. It's through Christ. It's got to have, you've got to have Christ in your life. You can't conquer Satan. Well, I'm a Christian and I can do this. Is anybody in here perfect? You have sin and Satan puts these sins and these temptations there. And sometimes they come in the weirdest ways. And you think you can beat him? He doesn't play fair. You've got to realize that. You say, well, this is a very serious matter, Pastor Warren. Yes, it is. Because I am tired of hearing stories of people that used to be in my ministries that no longer go to church anymore. I asked her about one guy that comes to church, so he comes to church in Illinois. And he's the kind of person that will come, and he'll come in streaks. He'll come for six months, and he'll get involved in everything, and then boom, he drops off. And I told you, Joy, I said, I guarantee you he's had a sin problem and he doesn't want to deal with people and he'll drop out for three months, four months, five months, then he'll come back and he'll come like a firestorm. And then he'll drop out. There's no consistency with him. He doesn't realize what he's battling. And men, we need to understand the battle that we're getting against. We can't win it ourselves. You can't beat Satan. You need Christ in your corner. You have a captain of the team, let him be your captain. Let him direct you. Don't try to do it your own. We had a, we had a guy on our team that um, would play, I don't know if you ever played with somebody, where they're, and, and this is a college team, he, he, he was all about his stats, and he really wasn't that great. He could dunk the basketball and do other things and all these things. He's a pretty athletic, but he would never play as a team. 
And I remember one particular game that I was in there with him. We were winning, so they put him in there, and he got a breakaway, and I was ahead of him, and he wouldn't throw me the ball. And, I, and I've never done this before in my life. But I got so mad at him in that game, I lost it for about three seconds. He would not throw the ball, so he went up on a breakaway dunk, and I went up with him, and I blocked his shot, and he was on my team. <laughs> they did interviews on TV, and they were like, that's weird. I could hear the announcer go, he just blocked his own player. The coach got mad at me and said, sit down, Wagner. Why did you do that? I said, because he never throws anybody the ball. It's all about him. He said, do you realize that everybody out there thinks it's all about you now? I was like, oh. <laughs> but, you know, I had my, my own team give me high fives for blocking his dunk. He went up strong, and I blocked. He, that's the last thing he thought I was going to do. I just slapped it up against the backboard and took off. And if you seen me play, you'd never think I could go above the rim. But I used to be able to. But, you know, sometimes we don't know who's against us. He went up thinking he was going to be the show of the, the top dog there. And I'll never forget, Brother Larry, when I got done blocking him, he kind of looked at me and went, what? <laughs> and pretty soon they pulled me off. I never played the rest of that game, and I had to apologize to the team for doing it. And I became the wrong person. Sometimes we don't know who we're fighting against. But with you and God, you're a majority. Even in, even in the toughest of times. I love the story of when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. There were angels waiting to minister to him. But he had to show Satan that he was more powerful than him. And Satan tempted him in all different ways. Even with food after he hadn't eaten for 40 days. We fight, we fight a, a devil that never plays fair. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians, But thanks be to God, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We've got to realize that we've got a battle we've got to fight. As a Christian, victory is expected of you. That's what you're supposed to do, but you've got to rely on Christ. As a, as a Christian, victory is as a rewarded accomplishment. You get something for having a victorious Christian life. Now, I want you to listen to these last six points. We're going to go through them really quick. Satan is mightier than you on every level of battle. You might not want to hear this, but number one, he is stronger than you. He is. Number two, he is smarter than you. Number three, he is more deceptive than you. Don't kid yourself, you're deceptive. What's the Bible say about your heart? It's wicked. Number four, he is patient, more patient than you are. Number five, now this might not speak highly of you, but he is more beautiful than you. And number six, and this is probably the most prominent one. Let me go through the first five and we'll hit the sixth one. He's stronger, smarter, more deceptive, more patient, more beautiful. And this is the big one. He is more experienced than you. Let's think about this and we'll end on this. We're fighting a battle and Satan is just like he was in biblical times. You've got to put on the whole armor of God to protect yourself against the wiles of the devil. The Bible also says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There's people in this room that he's circling, circling your wagon. 
And he's going to attack you on many different directions. He's going to say, well, preacher didn't even shake my hand. I was teasing, teasing Mrs. Shoup today because she sneaks out that door and then she says hello to me when she sneaks out and she knows I didn't shake her hand. So this morning I ran out there and shook her hand and you know what she said to me? I thought that was funny. She said, I'll be back tonight then. <laughs> I knew she was just joking. But there are people that get mad about, oh, preacher didn't shake my hand. He didn't look at me. He didn't talk to me. He didn't do this. He didn't do well, Lee didn't sing my song I liked. He always sings that song that preacher likes. Preacher's too short. Preacher's too fat. Preacher's too tall. Preacher's too long. He preaches too long. Uh, doesn't he know we need to get out before the Presbyterians get out? There's always something, and he, he knows. He's more experienced than you. He put the man that was a man after God's own heart on a roof. And I don't think Bathsheba was doing anything wrong. I think she was at a point thinking no one was going to be home. She could go out and do what she was doing, taking a bath, and he looked upon her, and that's how Satan deceived him. Amen. Samson. He made Samson, a lady by the name of Delilah, battered her eyes at him. On three, two different occasions, he tells her what's going on. He wakes up, and that's happened. On the third time, he wakes up and he thinks, I've still got my power and she's taken all of his hair. And guess what? He deceived him with that. He had Moses get mad at one particular time and he killed a man. He had Paul, before he got saved, killing, killing Stephen. I'm telling you, we serve a great Savior, but we have a great enemy. And he wants to devour you. And have we ever seen anybody get devoured in ministry? I have. I've had my own staff members turn on me. One of the reasons that I came to the church at Bayview was I had a friend that invited me there. Satan's got a hold of his life. He left his wife and now has a, he's married to another man. Don't you think that Satan doesn't play fair? All three of his kids were great kids. Now if you look at them on Facebook, unbelievable. We can't even watch what they do. Because we serve a great Savior and our strength should be through Him. But we also have an opponent. If you hear something about me, come see me. I promise you I'll do the same thing to you. I will. If I feel like, you know, Thomas has an issue with me. I'll go talk to him. Don't let things fester because that's what Satan wants. Amen. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to destroy me. He wants to destroy you. And I'm not, I don't know of anything going on. I'm just saying I know how he works. I've seen people get mad about the color of the bathrooms. Really. And we can get offended just like that. And I'll end it with this story. My secretary's um, husband was a painter. He came one day to my office and he said, I'm going to paint the, the church office. I said, that's fine. He said, let me show you the colors. And he brought out the, the colors and so, so, laid them out for me. And he put them all out. And he said, this is the color I'm doing. Then he did something that was kind of, he'd never done before. He took all the colors back, put them in his pocket. And before I could even say, I like the color, he, put them in his, he said, it doesn't really matter what you think. And see, I took it as offense that, what do you mean it doesn't matter what I think? And then he made this statement. He walked out of the room. He said, you're colorblind anyway. And he just walked off. <laughs> but you know, for that split second, I was, I was ticked at him. What does it mean it doesn't matter? I have feelings. 
He painted that room. Funny thing about that room? He painted it a Pepto-Bismol color. He said it looked good on that swatch. And people come in the room and go, oh, oh. They get upset stomachs just walking in the room, amen? And so he had to come back and paint it again. And Brother Shoup, I know it was carnal for me to think this. I thought, God got you back, amen? Because you know what? We can get upset so easily. And all Satan has to do is do one thing and point you in the wrong direction. And that's why you put the whole armor of God and understand this verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That was written by a man in jail trying to encourage people that were outside of jail. Just trying to encourage the church. But he also knew that he had, a, he had an opponent. And he wasn't going to let Satan win. He was going to fight that fight. So what's it going to take for you to stop? Do you realize where your power comes from? Don't get a depiction of who, who Satan is by a cartoon. He's a master of deceit. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not preaching about anything going on in here. I just know how Satan works. We've got to get back to the point of realizing that we have an enemy. And that enemy can destroy us in a heartbeat. He can destroy us. You can hear something negative about somebody and it'll make you change your aspect about them. And all Satan's doing is just sitting back there going, oh, I got the first step. I just got to reel them in. We need to live above that. We need to be spirit-led. We need to be protected by the whole armor of God that, that Christ tells us what to do. We're going to look at that the next couple weeks of what the whole armor of God is. He gives us all the weapons. We just got to use them. Lord, I thank you for the blessings and the victories that you won on Calvary, that you won them for us. And I thank you for the verse that Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. May we, we realize as a church, as individuals, that we're only as strong as we are as close, as, as close to, to you as we are. If we're not close to you, we're not going to be strong. If we don't read your word, we're not going to be strong. If we think we can handle this on our own, we are wrong. We serve a risen Savior but we also have a roaring lion that wants to devour us. May we see your working in our lives so much. May we realize that Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to discourage us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to deceive us. He wants to devour us. Lord, thank you for winning the victory so that we can use you as our captain and you can point us in the right direction. Thank you for what you're about to do in our lives, but may we as a group realize that Satan is real. He wants to do nothing but destroy this ministry, destroy the families in it. He doesn't like what's going on. He's going to do everything he can to mess us up. Vacation Bible School is right around the corner. 
He doesn't want us to have a good vacation Bible school. He wants us to have very small participation. Well, if I'm not going to pass out things. I'm not going to tell anybody. If we all thought that, where would we be? May we get to realize that we serve a risen Savior that loves us so much. And He gives us the power over what Satan can do to us. May we get the power from the power source. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us. No one looking around. I just want to pray for you. How many of you feel like sometimes Satan attacks you? All Hands all over the auditorium. You just need to plead the blood. You need to understand who Christ is. My intent tonight was for you to realize how powerful Satan is. But realize the power source that you have is bigger than that. He loves you. And he'll do everything he can for you. He gives you everything that you need. You just got to take it. Why not just lay it at the altar and say, I'm going to realize where the power source needs to be. It's not within me. How many of you agree with that with no one looking around that you believe the power source is not within you? Raise your hand. Man, it isn't. It's not within you. How many of you believe this is a roaring lion seeking whom you may devour everyone in here? How many of you th- believe that? Well, it's time to take this serious. Let's make this summer the best summer of our life and give God the glory for it. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these people. May we truly realize and may we be alert to what Satan's doing for us, doing to us and trying to do to us. May we be above that and may we realize that we have the power source. We have every situation that you've given us in the whole armor of God that we can put on and, and win against this. But it's nothing that we've done, it's everything that you've done. In Jesus' name, as the invitation starts.